Hello, we are back here on The Stand Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Evan Wexel, and we have an episode today where I have brought on another blogger from standleague.org, Stand, which is Scientologist Taking Action Against Discrimination. I have one of our writers here, Roger Clark. Welcome to The Stand Podcast. Thank you, Evan. So... I want to know. I want to know your backstory because this may be one of the only podcasts out there where we have like you know actual Scientologists sitting across from each other, discussing the religion, discussing <laughs> how we got into it, discussing what we wrote and why we wrote it. So uh, I guess if if this was an, a Marvel movie, this I want your X Men origin story. I want to know like where did you you've been a Scientologist a long time? <laughs> did you? Yes, I've been Good. a Scientologist a long time. Let me okay. Check my driver's license. Yeah, I um, I've been a Scientologist quite a while. Not born, not not brought up in it. No, not founded. brought up in it. No. Okay. But uh, um, probably the reason it got my attention. I took a communication course, which was back then. That's everybody took. The hey, first. as did Seinfeld. Yeah. So yeah. And um, but then I took the. I was in college at the time. I took the study course. Right. And. Um, that's what got my attention because I was having, I was, I'm dyslexic, so I oh, wow. was struggling really hard in, in school, basically BSing my way through, <laughs> um, you know, memorizing all the lectures and, right. and that sort of thing because I couldn't read well. Right. And uh, so when I started con- studying the conceptual learning method yeah. of Hubbard's, I went, oh, okay. That's, you know, and then I learned right. the different different techniques about study, and I go, okay, I can do that's This I can do. Right. You know, so there's a specific way, like, you can approach the way you study something. Like, there's a way you can learn that in Scientology. It's not like, you know, we're going to throw you in and here's a bunch of books. Like, part of the body of knowledge, I guess, that we have is that there's a way we can learn about anything through well, that's, that technology. That's it. I mean, it, it, it undercuts words. Right. Now... I mean, dyslexia is a condition that's been around sure. forever. Sure, it's a, it's a genetic variation, like being left-handed or anything. Right. The problem is it doesn't mesh with the, you know, the Western sound symbolization that developed. Yeah. In the Western and in the Middle East. In Asia, where you have picture writing, it's not a problem. Right. So. Um, the only the only time it's a problem is when you when you have this sound symbolization and and then that's when things start getting mixed up right for the dyslexic but so what this study method does is it completely undercuts all of that stuff in any language and what you're doing is you're learning your study in concepts right now whatever way you get to that concept yeah and and so is how you get there sure and then eventually you learn how to to work with the language that we all have to speak here in the West. Right. And, um, and the, the study technology that Hubbard developed helps you get to that in several different ways so anyone can study. Yeah. And it turned out I was actually a pretty smart guy after that, you know. I <laughs> so you're, you, straight you, you straight did A. you handle it? Like, you did your dyslexia? No, I went from like a, a 2.5 GPA to, to, to 4.0. Holy crap. Yeah. Just some study. And wow. I was carrying 18 units. That semester. Whoa. <laughs> what school was this? 
It was just in a local city okay, college. Okay, yeah, so. Excellent. Um, cool. So, like, one of the things, you've written a lot of blogs for stanleague.org, which is amazing. And uh, one I think we wanted to talk about, it's called, it's called What Scientology? So if you go on the blog on the website, type in Roger Clark, a lot of pages come up, but there's one called What Scientology. What's that one about? Well, it's oh. basically a, a real simple explanation of what Hubbard was able to do right. uh, as an engineer and as someone who has had a huge background in all the different scientific disciplines as sure. well as the humanities, going into the field of the mind, which really it had, had not had hard science applied to it right. other than maybe the Germanic measuring system or anything. It had never right. had real hard science applied to it and had not had other disciplines brought into it, which is what an engineer can do. Yeah. And so he did that. And He, he um, studied at George Washington University, I believe. Yeah. 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 And, um, but so what? He could have studied yeah. anywhere, but the fact is the guy was an engineer. And if you've ever known engineers... <laughs> They're pretty much all the same. It's like you either get it right or you don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, either the thing works or it doesn't. It's a weird it's it's a good mix of, you know, it's like it's spiritualism, I guess spirituality mixing with technology. So mm-hmm. it's like observation. Well, no, I mean he, he brought the discipline of engineering, right. the discipline of hard science right. to not just, it was actually to the mind at first. Right. You didn't go in there assuming anything, which is the way you do science. You don't assume a damn thing. You go in there and you gather the data. You use inductive logic. You do, use deductive logic. Right. And you come up with what's actually there instead of going and presuming anything. He kept running across right. spiritual phenomena. Yeah. And not only that, it was measurable. And right. not only that, it... it um, it just kept coming up. Right. And so instead of backing away from it, he kept exploring that. See yeah. what, what the heck was going on. And I mean, he applied this particular discipline to um, basically anything he found that worked. And then, so it's not right. only Eastern philosophy, but Western philosophy and um, anything that produced a given result when an engineer goes in with a goal. So what's the goal of a healthy mind? Yeah. What's the goal of mental health? It's a healthy mind. Curious, energetic, quick. Right. um, Quick study. Anything you can think of that's a positive attribute, uh, mentally, that's what he went for. Yeah, it's a weird, it's a good, it's a good perspective where he's coming, like he didn't obviously like grow up and be like, one day I'm going to just found a religion. Like it didn't work that way. Like he started out growing up, I think he had enough sense not to try that. Yeah. But (laughs) he ended up doing it anyway because... He found what he found. Right. And that's the thing. When you go in it, you go in and explore, and you use the scientific method, you find what you find. Yeah. And the only thing that made him extraordinary was the amount of discipline it took to put all the assumptions aside that already existed in the field and True. say, okay, let's find out what's there, what works, what moves things. Right. And... The- um, and that took a tremendous amount of discipline. Yeah, there was another thing I was actually like listening to a lecture of his the other day, and he's like, "You want to try just as hard to disprove something as you do to prove it." Absolutely, absolutely. Be- or else, you know, that's kind of how you have like 
all the the pharma clinical studies for uh, up and coming like psychotropics. They're just let's just look at that side of it. Let's not even see the other <laughs> side of it. Yeah, maybe we'll put on the box, but that's the other side. Yeah, after a few school shootings, you'd think they'd get it, uh, but yeah. they don't. Oh, that would be a whole other episode altogether. Yeah, that's a whole other episode. <laughs> that's a different website. Yeah. Uh, but uh, where I guess there's so many more things about L. Ron Hubbard. He's an engineer, but like there's a Ron series about like all the different hats he wore as he was, you know, tailoring and fine tuning and his research that bridged over into religion. Well, and the guy was a true renaissance man. There was right. all kinds of stuff he could do. He's one right. of those guys that could just cover a massive amount of ground right? Uh, in everything. It was just an incredibly quick study. Yeah. And just a smart guy, you know. So the amount of work he accomplished by the time he had died at 68 years old. Right. Well, I held by, by the... By the time he was forty years old, the amount of work he I know. Had I'm like, I'm going to be forty like, soon. I'm like, well, I haven't written dianetics yet. What's going it's, on? It's just the more you study, the more you, le- you realize the amount of ground this guy covered was just like phenomenal, extremely I mean, was, efficient. Yeah, it was. It was genius. It yeah. really was. And, yeah. And um, it definitely gives you something to shoot for. <laughs> yeah. I'm not expecting to get that quick that that soon. But, but here, like, I know you mentioned um, on your profile, like, as a, as a contractor yourself, mm-hmm. how have you used Scientology to, to better your contracting or, like, to evolve your craft? Well, mainly it's just in handling people and, yeah. and uh, putting people at ease. And then going in there and doing the best job I, I possibly can. And when I don't do those two things is when trouble happens. Yeah. But um, I would say that that's, those are the two main things, which is, you know, any contractor should sure. do that. But um, probably it does give me an edge in handling people because I, I'm better at predicting what yeah. someone is going to find important over another person. You know, if if... I find someone who's like an accountant, for instance, right, or or something like that, or I'm working for an engineer, or I walk into someone's house and I see that everything is very precise and very clean. Yeah, I'm going to know where their priorities are. Right. So I'll be able to, at that point, talk to them on that particular level, and um, then I walk in and I find somebody confused. <laughs> I kind of know that <laughs> the first thing I have to do. Yep is get that person focused. <laughs> Where are you? <laughs> Before we even go into what needs to be done, right. we need to get them focused and, uh, and really help them decide what they want. So the, the different skills that you learn in Scientology, the tone scale right. and things like that, and, and how to... The, the main thing is really how to appreciate the persons in, in front of you. Right. And that's another blog I wrote, is that... Uh-huh. Y- you got to find the rightness in people. Yeah. What's right about them? Oh, you won't find that on the social media at all. No. No. But you, but you go in and you find out what's... Yeah. Everybody has unique abilities. And right. And it's not just some sort of pep talk. Right. I mean, people in general are so underutilized. Right. And... And they, under, they underappreciate, I think, themselves. They and they undervalue. They're underutilized and... and 
And you go from, say, this country to another country where, mm-hmm. where competition is higher or expectations are higher, and you see that. You see the variations in what people are capable of mm-hmm. and what they can do with very little. And then you come over here where we have this massive amount of stuff. <laughs> and, you know, people get used to things being easy and, you know, they... You have to really get in there and dig and, and find out who this person is and what they want and what they're capable of. And yeah. that's probably the biggest edge is you already go in knowing right. that this person has intelligence and they have ability and they have creative ability. And you go in and you got you got to go in and switch it on. Yeah, you got to unlock that. You know, and that's the same thing raising kids or anything sure. else. So that was probably one of the biggest things is going in and getting... I've had three kids, and getting them to, uh, you know, observing them, finding out what their capabilities are, right, and what their go buttons are, and then using that instead of trying to stuff them into this box you know, <laughs> that you know they're not going to be happy. In, yeah, yeah. You know, so, and you uh, you briefly mentioned the tone scale. I mean, for people maybe listening that they they don't know what that is. Like when you say the tone scale comes from Scientology. What is it like? It's a, it's a how would you describe it? Well, it's essentially very useful. It's very useful, but if you look at it and if you know anything about quantum mechanics, right? It's a beautiful model and scale of human emotion, right? And human behavior, mm-hmm. and it manifests itself uh, on quantum levels. In other sure. words. You know, if I jump out from behind a bush and scare the hell out of you, right? <laughs> you're going to get scared first. You're going to feel and, a tone. And, and the next thing you're going to do is not, you're not going to be like only slightly scared. You're going to be angry. Yeah. You know, and, and then after that, we talk about it a little bit or you beat me up or whatever it happens to be. And then you're going to get bored with the whole thing. All right. Yeah. Yep. Then you're going to go to boredom. It doesn't, there's no little sliding scale between those things. It's bang, bang, bang. Yeah. Fear, anger, boredom. Yeah. Like it all that. goes together. And, and you know that that is the emotional scale. And, and those all relate to things like space and energy and everything else. Those right. all have parallels in the physical sciences. Okay. Sounds weird, but once you study it, you do see the parallels. That, right. You know, you have these living beings in sure. this world. Sure. And they're going to interact with this world. And guess what? They're going to have to follow the same rules yeah. as the physical world. You know, and you can look back at that and look back at that model and go, okay, duh, of course they're going to have to. But nobody's <laughs> ever done that until Hubbard came along and he goes, well, wait a minute. You know, you have all of these physical laws. Yeah. Do they apply to living beings? Boom, they sure do. Yep. Do, uh, do you have a, a recommended book you would recommend to people of Hubbard's? My favorite is always self-analysis. Get in there. It has the tone scale in there. Yeah. It's the easiest book in the world. And You could and, audit. You could counsel it, yourself. You can, yes, you can get in there, and you will get results. And I'll give you an, uh, a, a beautiful yeah. example of that. As I was working with the book for a while, I had, I had used it early on, and then I went back, and I said, I'm going to use this again. Did it for about 10 minutes a day for two weeks. And I went out to a job site, and I had to take very specific measurements on this whole house. Okay. All right. Okay. And like an idiot, I left my measuring book on top of the roof when I got <laughs> done, jumped in my car, drove an hour home. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> so it didn't stop me from being an idiot. However, what happened is when I got home, um, I, I was actually able to recall, was actually able to recreate the drawing and write down the exact precise measurements that I had already taken just from memory. Whoa. Okay, after doing that book, I knew every single measurement on it. Not only that, I knew it was accurate. Wow. And that in just those two weeks of just doing a little bit, improved my memory to that degree to where I not only had a better memory, I was confident I had a better memory. Yeah. So it's, and it's one of those things where it not only does that, it just generally lightens up your world. And yeah. so it's, it's for the, whatever it is, the eight, 15 bucks you pay for it. It's yeah. like, it's one of the best bargains in the world. Yeah. I remember getting the, the little paperback years ago. And then I, obviously when the, when they redid them and they came out, it's, it was great. And yeah. um, this is good. All right, Roger Clark. So we can catch you on the Stan League blogging page. Yeah. More to come. I'm the king of snark. Yeah. Oh, this is great. <laughs> That's why I like to do that. I like to write good. I like to write good snark to uh, like you know whenever someone says something like discriminatory, like Yo Yahoo. I tried to Google you, yeah. but or I tried to use Yahoo. It's like she don't mean Google or I don't know. No, no, I'm yeah. not. I, I just, I, I just tend in that direction. I think it's great because, like, we come in contact with you know a lot of people come in contact with like some discrimination in some form or another, and it's like we finally now have a place where we get you know we sometimes take beyond the receiving end of discrimination. Now we have a place no, as we bloggers we can like. Well, I don't have to turn the other cheek, which is not my nature to do that. Yeah, it's like you want to give me guff. You yeah, know, it's like guff back. <laughs> I got Roger a right to guff be here. And I got a right to study what I want. And if yeah. you don't like it, go away. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, this was awesome. It's a great episode, and um, look forward to reading more of your stuff on the website. Well, thank you very much. You got it. Okay. Take care, Evan. See ya.